Welcome then to TYT's The Conversation. Long time no see, it is Adrian Lawrence. Thank you for joining me today. And we are very grateful today to have Nabiha Kazi Hutchins. She's the president and CEO of PAI. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Adrian. Now, Kabiha, I understand that PAI works with policymakers in DC and your network of global partners really to advocate for accessible quality healthcare and also to advance sexual reproductive rights for women and girls and other vulnerable groups. And I think you guys are probably pretty jazzed right now, given the recent announcement that there's a $5 million grant from the World Bank's global financial or global financing facility. That seems pretty huge. What's that grant for? Yeah, we, we are excited about this grant from the Global Financing Facility. And the grant is simply for us to advance the voice of civil society and community organizations to ensure sexual and reproductive health and rights, to ensure that maternal health is thriving, and to ensure that young, young people, children, newborns have the kind of healthcare services that they need to thrive. And I know that that's something that's extremely precious and valuable right now, especially considering that it seems that there are a number of healthcare rights that are potentially in jeopardy, which we'll get to a little bit later. But I'd love to talk and dive a little bit more into this grant opportunity. And I know that really since the inception in 2015, that the Global Financing Facility of the GFF has given grants and divided and aided organizations really to strengthen civil society organizations. And during the pandemic, they really stepped up when it came for advocating for women and children and adolescents. Is that what made PAI an ideal partner? Yeah, I think there are certainly many advantages of PAI having received this grant. One, of course, is that we have a 58-year history of being advocates. We advocate in the US and on the global stage to ensure that communities around the world have access to sexual reproductive health and rights. And in addition to that, we've been working with 120 community-based organizations across 36 countries. So they can also elevate their voice and speak truth to power. So all of this, certainly our trajectory, the journey that we are on together with partners and being part of this global urgent movement to make sure that communities around the world can achieve their rights, can achieve healthcare, ultimately to achieve their aspirations. So it's a really exciting opportunity especially in this time when we are very concerned about rights being eroded, where we are very concerned about bad policy taking shape that can harm people. Absolutely, and that's something that a lot of us are focused on right now with that um, that leaked decision on uh, that could end up jeopardizing Roe v. Wade, as well as on a number of other civil liberties that really hang in the balance with that. And so I know that you all will take this grant and truly be able to uplift a lot of communities, um, larging and implementing the GFF's civil society and youth engagement strategy. And I know that's gonna be implemented over the course of, I believe about five years. Can you tell us a little bit about what the focus of those efforts are gonna look like when they're carried out over this multi-year plan? Yes, yeah, so the initial work is over two years, but the two-year mark builds on a previous commitment and previous catalyst funding from the Gates Foundation, actually. And this is really exciting because it shows that catalytic investments can make big impact and can actually bring civil society into a process that is appreciated and welcome by those who are setting policy by those who are really interested in aligning their investments to the health and well-being of communities and to be highly responsive. So what does the grant do? What does it allow us to do as a global community? One, to lift our voices. 
Uh, as civil society, I always say we are the truth seekers and we are the truth speakers. And we hold government accountable, but we're, what we're also finding, and, and certainly this was because of that investments from, investment from the Gates Foundation, is civil society advocates as partners to government. So over the next couple of years, it will be to support our advocacy, but also to support small organizations receive funding so they can carry on with advocacy, so they can advance the critical agenda items to ensure the right policies and the right investments are in place for their communities in their own countries and are able to achieve those priorities around health equity, around gender equality, ensuring that mothers don't die because they've given birth, ensuring that newborns and young children have the right nutrition so they can thrive and achieve and so on and so forth. So it's a big remit, but it's all of us together. And I think ultimately the recognition that when we are working as a collective voice, when we bring many partners under this umbrella of this movement, around sexual reproductive health and rights, we are stronger, we are better, and we can achieve and sustain progress. And progress is definitely something we need right now, because it really seems to be reality that the US is backsliding on fundamental human rights. Uh, you know, with this leaked opinion that essentially would overturn Roe v. Wade, as well as the progeny of um, law and legal precedent out there that could be tied up into that. And so is there anything that PAI is really doing um, in terms of seeing what it can use its resources and power in hopes of maybe ameliorating some of the pain that will come in the event that Roe and other human rights are truly gutted? Absolutely, and and the the first piece I think is it's worthy of recognition, and you've stated it, but it requires a, a reinforcement. Is this potential overturning of Roe v. Wade, which is imminent, uh, has a lot of implications. It will create disarray on the public health and humanitarian front in the U.S. It also uh, disproportionately affects Black, Brown, and Indigenous communities here in the United States who are already struggling to access contraceptives, who are already struggling to access essential cancer screenings and access, of course, safe abortions in their own communities. And you've put it so well in the past is a policy or an action that is sexist in this country is also racist. Sexism and racism go hand in hand, and I'm quoting you on this. And that is certainly the case here in the US. I think the other piece that to recognize is that 70% of Americans back abortion rights. And a minority here in the US is forcing their will on our aspirations and our achievements. They're not accounting for what the majority of Americans want. And banning abortion in the US does not mean it's the end of abortion. We know for a fact that women who seek out an abortion, people who seek out an abortion are going to get one. What the banning does is it creates an environment where there's greater harm, where there's greater danger, where there are greater deaths as a result. Now, what are we doing as PAI? One, we are part of a global movement and we are part of a US movement standing in solidarity to ensure that evidence comes forward, experience comes forward. We're not having a philosophical values-based conversation. We're having a hard-hitting conversation on what are the implications and impact on communities in the US. And we're also watching very carefully and arming our partners around the world because there is a danger that what happens in the US sets precedent for what could happen abroad. And we have seen countries move toward a trajectory of greater expansion of sexual and reproductive health and rights. The US is one of the countries, one of the few countries that is backsliding. And so we wanna make sure that countries and communities that are moving forward have what they need to continue that advocacy, knowing that we are doing the same here in our own country. 
Absolutely, and you um, really just took the words out of my mouth because my next question was going to uh, really touch upon the global footprint because I know PAI is not something that just sits within borders, but wants to impact people on a global scale. And so the concern I definitely as well have is that people uh, in other nations, uh, other leaders are going to see what the US does as somewhat of a leadership. Uh, opportunity to go ahead and follow through and do exactly what they're doing. And it's very disheartening considering as you've noted, the vast majority of the American public does not care to overturn Roe v. Wade. And so it's not the will of the people as much as it is for those in power in the moment. And so in terms of what's next and what you are looking to um, achieve even in the short term. We know you have this grant and this is and this, it's amazing and I'm really excited for what you all are gonna do with it. What other uh, opportunities, what other avenues are you taking to uplift your goal and your mission? Yeah, so aside from making sure we're building a strong ecosystem and we're part of a strong ecosystem of powerful voices that speak truth to power, we're also making sure that the right evidence and the right data comes through. We're also lifting up this hypocrisy right and 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 the contradiction that on the one hand uh, the us on the global stage is advocating for human rights we're advocating for gender equality there are a lot of these commitments that are about making people's lives better about recognizing that each as an individual should have equal rights and have access to what is fundamental to thrive um, as we look uh, to the spaces abroad and internationally, what we what we want to be doing is not only sharing the information and sharing the data, but coming together to lift our voices and make sure that our partners, 120 and 36 countries, have the resources and the tools to speak up and also feed us information. Because what happens abroad can serve as a powerful example of what we should be doing here in the US. Uh, and, and that at the end of the day is about the ecosystem. It's about advancing civic voice and civic space. And as I said before, it's about speaking truth to power, knowing that we have each other's back. Yes, and that's something that we have to have, uh, regardless of race, regardless of gender, sexual identity, orientation. It does not matter, we all have to work and fight together because democracy really, um, it hangs in the balance or what semblance of democracy is out there, shall I say. But we really appreciate all of the work that you do and all the work you're going to do, especially with this grant in terms of making change in such a volatile time in our society where we see uh, you know, human rights are hanging in the balance in part because we have the far right taking over so much. So I wanna thank you so much again for the work that you're doing. And so if people want to get involved or to make a contribution or to learn more, where should they go? They should go to PAI.org and there's information on how to make a donation so we can advance our voice. But there's also information on data, on action steps, on calls to action. So you can participate in many ways. But thank you for giving us the space, Adrian, and for having me today. No, absolutely, thank you so much for joining us. And so for those out there who are wondering about how they can get involved with PAI, you just heard that information. But you have to remember, definitely they're working with policymakers in DC and a global network of partners really to advocate for accessible quality health care and advance the sexual and reproductive rights of women, girls, and other vulnerable groups. And that is such an important thing to uplift right now. It doesn't affect our entire society as a whole. So definitely get involved. And thank you so much for joining us. That's Nabiha Kazi Hutchins, the president and CEO of PAI. It's Adrian Lawrence once again, and this time I have Sansara Taylor. That's a co-host of the RNL, that's Revolution Nothing Less. 
the show. You can catch her on YouTube. She also happens to be the co-initiator of Rise Up for Abortion Rights. Thank you for joining us. Adrian, it's very good to be back with you. Yes, under some unfortunate circumstances as we are awaiting um, which might just be the gutting of Roe v. Wade. I know um, yesterday there was thought that the Supreme Court would be dropping the opinion, but nothing came out. And I also know that you have been using your voice in a very powerful way. It was a May 26 Rise Up for Abortion Rights protest in Union Square in New York. And you had said, now is the time to lift our sights and dare. What must people do? Yeah, I think first of all, it's true, the US Supreme Court, the highest court in the land and the most powerful country in the entire world is on track to overturn Roe versus Wade, to gut, to revoke women's fundamental right to abortion, to control their own bodies, their destinies, their reproduction, their very humanity and their lives. This is a violent assault on the half of humanity that is female. It is a massive injustice and it must be stopped. And the most important thing, it's true, like you said, this decision could drop any day between now and late June. We don't know when it will come, but it's very important. This is not yet the law. And now is the time, precisely like you were citing that I said, to lift our sights and dare to stop it before it becomes the law. Because it is far harder to win a right back once you have lost it than to defend it while you still have it. And the majority of people in this country do not want to see women forced by the state to bear children against their will. That kind of patriarchal subordination and control over her very life. It shatters lives, it it shatters dreams, it forecloses women's futures, it traps them in abuse. It is a nightmare that must not be allowed. The majority doesn't want it, we have to show it now. We can't be bystanders in a historic crime against women. We have to get out in the streets, we have to raise bloody hell, we have to wear the green bandana, the symbol of abortion rights. We need to shut this country down and I've been citing um, a very powerful quote from Mario Savio. He was a leader in the free speech movement and the radical student movements of the 1960s. And in 1964, on Berkeley campus at the famous Sproul Plaza, he said this, and it's been quoted many times since, and it has never been more appropriate than now. He said, there is a time when the workings of the machine become so odious, make you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even tacitly take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from functioning at all. And that is what we need to do throughout this society. In our millions in nonviolent struggle, bring the gears of society to a halt before we allow this right to be taken away. And it seems like this is one of those things that we, you know, we may have foolishly thought could never happen. It could never come to pass. Uh, and I think to some extent, I thought the same myself, thinking they're not dumb enough uh, to reverse what Roe v. Wade. That's just stupid. But uh, clearly, they're they're pretty damn dumb. And it, it's it's very scary right now. And a lot of people think that overturning Roe is something that can't be stopped. But you definitely seem to believe that it can. Um, Why do you think that it can? Well, I think if we look at, first of all, the level of violation this would mean. How many lives would be shattered? How many lives would be upended? How many people deeply, one in four women has gotten an abortion. This country is filled with women as well as men who remember the dark days of back alley deaths and foreclosed lives before Roe v. Wade. This is a country filled with Generations of women who have filled 
professional uh, sports, professional broadcasting, academia, medicine, all the professions with women. This is dependent on women having access to abortion and birth control. So this is very central to women's lives and to the functioning and, and organization of society at this point. If we don't sleep on our power, if we don't sit back as bystanders and let this happen, there's a lot we can do. I don't have illusions that we're gonna persuade Samuel Alito or Amy Coney Barrett or Clarence Thomas. We're not gonna change their hearts and minds. But even the fascists on the courts, even they worry about their legitimacy. And if you had the kind of uprising, upheaval, outpourings that we saw in the wake of the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, saying, no, we won't let you take away Roe v. Wade, we won't let you slam women backwards in this way. You could create the kind of situation where they have to calculate in the eyes of the world, not silent disapproval, privately bemoaning it, not just in the election booth where nobody sees and it's too late anyhow, but in the streets visibly in mass resistance, taking over freeways, shutting down stadiums, all kinds of things that people can do nonviolently. You could create a situation where they have to calculate their legitimacy in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of millions and millions here and in the eyes of other governments around the world. That's that's something even the fascists on the courts care about. That's something the people in all the ruling institutions care about. And that's a power that the people have from below. We can only do that if we're visible. But that's how every real change has been won. That, I mean, you think about how did voting rights get won? They weren't won by voting. They were won by people going into the streets, people doing hunger strikes, people going to jail again and again. How were any rights won? People broke the rules of how things are normally done. I'm talking about nonviolent action, but I'm talking about the power of the people very urgently. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess in part, I think the thing that really scares me or makes me reluctant to think that people will use their voice is because I I see that this right definitely impacts women most uh, mostly than anyone else uh, mm-hmm. by and large. But I still feel so many women don't realize their power in our society. And you know, they don't, yeah. yeah, and that scares me because we see people finally learn to stand up and push back, but there's so many people who are still so afraid. And and we see so many, uh, we've seen it in elections, white women cuddling up to white supremacy uh, in order to feel like white, like white men are gonna protect them, which is clearly not the case. People have been going against their best interests for too damn long. And the fact is that the, those in power in the majority are white. And, and I just don't necessarily see them using their voices to the extent that they can. I just, in part, because it'll impact uh, us black and brown people the most. Well, I think your your concerns are well founded. They're very real, and in this country that is founded on white supremacy and has it woven into its fabric and fiber, it's exactly true. And that the the identification of women themselves with patriarchy, with white supremacy, that's very profound in this country. But so is the reality, and this is something that has given me a tremendous amount of hope in this struggle that RiseUpForAbortionRights.org has been leading. Is we have uncorked a wave, it's still too small, it's still a microcosm, but a fury, a righteous fury of women and young girls coming out in the streets and giving voice to a power that they didn't even know was within them. And we have seen, just you think about the the millennia of women being treated as punching bags, as sex objects, as objects of sexual plunder, pimped out, beaten down, abused, shrouded, sold. Uh, treated as baby making machines, property of men, less than in so many ways, degraded, shamed if they're not virgins, shamed if they enjoy sex, shamed for all these things. 
all of the weight that sat on women for generations and generations, there is a fury that is pent up and that has begun to come out in the streets. Young women in these walkouts, high school, junior high, uh, college age young women, older women who have sat and choked on this shame and rage their entire lives, coming and turning that into a fury in the streets. And I believe, I, I don't think we're gonna win over all of the Christian fascist indoctrinated Trump supporting women. But I think if we uncork the fury of the women who don't like what's happening, and that 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 powerful fury was unleashed. It is a force that can wake up and shake and terrify these fascists in the power structure. And it's infectious and it's contagious. And I would just say these youth have been out there. There have been others out there to everybody who's watching this, everybody who knows it's wrong for a 12 year old to be forced by the state to bear the child of her rapist uncle. Or for any woman to be told that what you want to do with your body, with your life doesn't matter, the state's gonna take it over. If you know that's wrong, don't sit back and let these youth stand up by themselves for their future. Don't foreclose their lives, join with Rise Up for Abortion Rights. Come and sign up to be part of civil disobedience. If you're in a, a professional arena, organize your coworkers, take up the green bandana. If you have command influence, a stage, a platform, if you're a singer, an athlete, wear the green bandana wherever you go. This symbol came out of Argentina. This, it was taken up in Colombia. This was a symbol of struggle, fierce struggle. Women who rose up with no backing, no positions of power and authority. They rose up with right on their side and kept coming back and kept coming back and grew and grew, woke up the conscience of society. And they tore down the laws criminalizing abortion in these deeply Catholic, deeply patriarchal, deeply repressive societies. If they can do it there, make what everybody thought was impossible possible, we have a responsibility to do it here. And what we do here is gonna affect women all over the world. Absolutely, uh, without a doubt. I know that whatever we do in the United States will reverberate everywhere across the world globally, especially in the nations that have pulled more of a far right um, government power structure. Uh, and you know, and I really do as well. I think that people do need to stand up and that we do need to rise up and speak up. And also bear in mind too that we black women have been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And we're also coming off of George Floyd and off of Buffalo. We are tired. We are tired of carrying the brunt of everyone's civil rights on our backs. Mm -hmm. And so if there is a time to stand up, I now is it. But don't don't leave it on us anymore. That's what I need. I need other people to stand up. Because again, the vast majority of the rights that we have as women have been born on the backs of black women who have stood up and have lost their lives and have suffered significantly. And so if you see a future for yourself and you want one for your loved ones, you will fight this and you are gonna stand up. And hopefully you're gonna take a little bit of the weight of the pressure off of us and stand up and push back. That is powerful and necessary. And I want to thank you so much for joining us. And sorry, and can you tell us where can people get more information? Yes, so I would recommend people go to the website, Rise Up for it's a number four abortionrights.org. There are actions being planned outside some of these fascist churches in the streets to spread the green. There's mass civil disobedience, there's ongoing student actions, green graduations, ways for everybody to take part. I'd also invite everybody viewing who wants to understand where does this come from? And what are the links like you're describing to the white supremacy that is so built into this society yeah. and being brought back to the surface with a revengeist, a terror right now. Um, what are the links between this and the assault on abortion and the system that we live under and it's crimes around the world. Come watch the RNL, the Revolution Nothing Less show on Thursday nights. We dig into this. 
I'd love to have you on as a guest sometime, Adrian. Um, we have to both stand shoulder to shoulder in this struggle right now and dig into the roots of this and what it's gonna take to end it for once and all, because we should not have another generation going through exactly what you described. Yes, no, thank you so much. And thank you for all the work you do. I know how passionate you are and how much you are advancing us. So thank you so much for putting in the work. I really appreciate it, Sansara. Thank you, Adrian. All right, take care.